Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and ask that you would just work uh, in our church in this time that we have dedicated to your worship. Lord, I pray that we would sing these hymns not for our enjoyment or our pleasure, but for yours, that we would give forth our best voice to the grand message of your word as it is sung in the hymns. Lord, I pray that you would allow me to preach your word the way that you would have it to be preached this morning. Lord, I also pray that during the invitation time, our greatest opportunity to worship you today, that we would surrender our lives and ourselves to you, that we would give you the ability to pick and choose our way for us, that, Lord, we would understand your love and how we ought to live in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother, All right, take your Bibles, if you would, and let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. And last Sunday, as... We preached on the love of God in Ephesians chapter 2. I really had no intention of following that out, but uh, after hearing one of the sermons this week at Heartland, uh, I said, man, I've got to just kind of finish this thing out, and so Lord willing, this Sunday and the next couple Sundays, we'll be dealing with the love of God in the book of Ephesians. And uh, please be patient with my voice. I I believe it's going to work, but... uh, uh, it may have a little bit of difficulty there, but um, uh, let's look in Ephesians chapter 3, and I want to start reading in verse 14 of Ephesians 3. We'll read through the end of the chapter. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church, by Christ Jesus, Throughout all ages, world without end, amen. Now, I do believe that if we had want, if we wanted to, and the Bible does not teach it, we should do this, but if we were to just limit ourselves to this passage, we could, we could live until Jesus comes just on these few verses. Now, I'm glad that God doesn't tell us to do that. He gives us the whole Bible. But we need to spend some time understanding what God's love is. How did you get saved? If you're here today and you're saved, it's because of God's love. Amen? I mean, there's no other way to describe what Jesus did for us. And his love is what saves us. Amen? 
But you have to accept that love. You have to accept it by faith. We live in a world that is, quote unquote, love crazy. I, I mean, we, we have all of these uh, uh, definitions and all of these attempts at love. But I'll tell you what, if we could get rid of all the Hollywood and all of the garbage, even the Hollywood people, they try to spend their life with one other person. It kind of works four or five times right now. But one of my favorite little jokes is home. That's where they have to let you in. Amen? Isn't that true? I mean, when you knock on the door of your own home, somebody has to let you in. I mean, that's where you belong. But shouldn't it be a little more than just that? It should be. Love is one of the most wonderful things, and I want to challenge you. Until you get it straightened out with God's love, you're never going to get it straightened out with human love. The basis of our love toward other people as human beings is God's love toward us. That's the reason it's so messed up. You see, when human beings love each other, there's always a catch in it. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Uh, I'll buy you a back scratcher. You scratch your own. Amen. I don't want to be connected like that. I don't like being felt like I'm being taken advantage of. How about you? I was sitting with lunch with Brother Hiram, and, and uh, we had a great opportunity of fellowship, and, and I'll, I'll give you some more testimonies. Uh, Brother Ungry was there, our missionary to Alaska, and uh, uh, was, able, <clears throat> was sitting at a table at a restaurant, and Brother Hiram looks over at me and says, uh, Brother Pete, you don't have to pay, pay my, my bill. And I said, now, Brother Hiram, if I did have to pay it, I wouldn't. But what we want to do is we want to share love as a church. Amen. Brother Hiram's one of the men that's sent out of our church to start another church. And I'll tell you, I'm encouraged at what's going on in Fleshman's. And we really need to hold them up in prayer. This should be the year they go over the top and become a self-supporting work. It should be. But we're going to have to really pray. It's been five years since they came down and the few people who are there joined Open Door Bible Baptist Church and set things right in a church that was all wrong. And so we're just about that close to finishing the process. And, and we really need to pray. But we want to love people and do things not because we have to, but because the love of God dwells in us. Amen. Now, you get saved. God's love puts you in a position. This was last week's sermon. 
you are already as far as God is concerned. When Jesus, when God the Father looks out, he already sees those that are saved seated in heavenly places. He can see the end from the beginning. The problem is we're stuck in this thing called time and we haven't caught up to God's vision yet. Amen. We're already there. But till we get there, God's love ought to be doing some things in our life. And that's what, this is actually what I read you, a prayer of the Apostle Paul for the Ephesian Christians. Remember, Ephesus was the city that he spent more time in than any other city in his ministry. Almost three years there in the city of Ephesus. And he's writing here in verse 14... For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. How many of you have experienced what we might call spiritual weakness? Okay. Uh, If you're trying to live for Christ, you've experienced that. If you've never experienced spiritual weakness, I want to challenge you. It's because you're you're not trying to live for Christ. Because if you're not trying to do anything, how are you going to know that you're weak? Do you know why those action movies where they do incredible things are so popular? Because some fat, blithering slob can lay on the couch and think, that's me. (laughs) That's what it's about now, isn't it? The people that are actually doing something aren't watching movies. They're too busy to watch the movies, amen? Now, we got a lot of people, spiritually speaking, couch potatoes, we might call them, who just want to lay around and watch Jesus work somebody else's life. That's not what Paul was praying for the Ephesians. He said, I wanted you to be strengthened with might. Now, might is a wonderful thing. That means power. That means the ability to get something accomplished. How many of you ever seen one of them karate guys break boards? Isn't that hilarious? The most unusual one I ever saw was they held the board right here, right over his shoulder, and he broke the board with this foot. I'll tell you what, he had to, it was so fast, it it just looked like his whole hip went out of joint. And all of a sudden, the guy was holding two pieces of board. Let me tell you, that, that takes some strength and that takes some mind. You don't do that by practicing real hard for a week. Uh, if you tried that, if I were to try that move, 
I would be in traction for the rest of my life, probably. At least a very long period of time. Because I'm not strengthened my body that way. I haven't prepared it. I haven't stretched those tendons and muscles and, and taught myself how to behave that way. And by the way, I have no intentions of ever doing that. Because there's a different kind of might that is spoken about in the scriptures here that God wants us to have. Not to perform great feats so that people can look at us. But if you go down to the last verse, so that God the Father can get glory through Jesus Christ. That's the purpose. That's why God's left us here. And I like to ask the question, and I want to ask it again this morning. What have you done this past week that God the Father gets glory for? I mean, that's a pretty tough question, isn't it? I can tell you a little something that our church has done. We gave away a little over $5,000 at the Home Missions Conference last week, this past week. And anybody that knows our church knows that that's God, not us. Amen? It's just not here. I mean, look around you. There aren't any rich people sitting in the pews. What we're doing is we each serve God a little bit and he makes it a lot a bit. Amen? He says he wants us to be strengthened with might, power, strength, the ability. I'll tell you, uh, every time I read that verse and think about the might of God, my mind goes back to a very dark time in history when very weak, Men and women were hauled in before boards of inquisition. People that had no education. It was Tyndale Wycliffe, I'm sorry, who said, I want the plowman to know the scripture better than the priest. And they were hauled in and asked questions. And I think of the story of John Bunyan and his blind little 12-year-old girl that would come and sit at his prison cell and talk to him through the window. And the judge asks his wife, why do you put up with this man who will be so obstinate and, and rather sit in prison than to work and provide for his family? And her answer simply was, I would rather my husband be honest before God than before you. Now, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that was the general gist of her words. I'll tell you, that's the kind of might that we need. And it's the very thing we don't have because we're too busy reading, and actually sometimes we're too busy trying to be Christians that we miss the whole point. 
You see, Paul says, I want you to be strengthened with might. How? By his spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. Now, if you turn on uh, TBN or some of that religious broadcasting stuff, all you're going to hear about is the Holy Spirit. But it says in the inner man. You know, that's where we fight the battles, is it not? That's where the temptations strike the strongest. That's where we have the most problem is in the inner man. How many of you are glad that nobody else can see your inner man? I'm glad God made that private. I'm glad that he cared enough about us to say, you bring your inner problems to me and I'll fix it. I'm going to strengthen you by my spirit in the inner man. This is what Paul said I want to have happen. Now, look what's going to happen. If you get strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, here's what's going to happen. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with, the full, with all the fullness of God. I'll tell you what, those are amazing words to me. How about you? It's incredible. And this is what Paul is praying. And I want you to notice something here. He says, with all saints. If you, uh, by the way, the Bible definition of a saint is anyone who believes in Jesus Christ. Uh, I don't go around calling myself St. Peter. Uh, that would be a little confusing to some people. Uh, but I am a saint, according to the scripture. There are no levels of salvation. There are no levels of a relationship with God. It was Peter who said in his epistle that we share a like common faith, a like precious salvation. I can have the same salvation as the apostle Peter had. But am I using it like he wants me to use it? You see, his love has put me positionally in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm there. But he wants me to do some things through his love while I'm here. And the key to getting those things done is understanding what his love is. And I want to challenge you, the human mind, the human being, your existence, the human soul is not built to comprehend the love of God. That's why you must be strengthened in the inner man by his spirit. How many of you remember what Paul told the Corinthians? You cannot understand the things of God except... The Spirit of God dwells in you. Amen? You've got to have that Spirit dwelling in us, teaching us 
Um, the, the word that we like to use is the Holy Spirit has the ministry of illumination. He turns on the lights so that we can see. And this verse here, this next verse, is the working definition of that ministry of the Holy Spirit. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. How many times when something happens do you question God? Is that not our first response? I get so tired of hearing, oh my, and they put God's name in there. In fact, now they've abbreviated it to letters. And you see it all over the place. I saw it on a subway advertisement the other day. If it weren't against the law, I wanted to rip it down. I mean, that's blasphemy. It says here, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Faith is simply obedience to the written word of God. That's all it is. You say, but, but I obey the word of God. I'm here in church, yes. But let me ask you a question. When you had an opportunity to lose your temper this past week, did you let faith in Jesus Christ keep it? Or did you lose it anyway? You see, that's what it means to let Christ dwell in your hearts by faith. Amen? If you had some great tragedy strike, if you had some difficulty come your way, what was your first option? Get out your calculator and figure out how I'm going to get out of this mess? Or what does the Bible say to do? Let's make biblical decisions, amen? That's what it means to let Christ dwell in your hearts by faith. It says that ye, being rooted and grounded in love. Do you see how Paul puts this together? You can't, Christ cannot dwell in your heart by faith unless you are being rooted and grounded in love. Because God is love. How many of you have ever pulled a plant out of a little pot and saw those roots all wrapped around and growing up along the sides of the pot and you couldn't even hardly get the dirt out of the plant for all the roots? You ever seen that happen? You know, a plant will keep producing roots as it reaches out and tries to get the nutrients from the soil if you do not keep putting things into that soil for the plant to take out, eventually it's going to stop growing. But you know, I think of all these little green vines here. I don't know how many years ago Somebody brought in a little pot with just one vine in it. We stuck it on the old piano, and it started growing. We clipped it, and you would take one little clipping and just stick it in a cup of water for a week, and it'd grow one little root. Then you stick it in the ground. Then you'd have to clip it again because it's growing all over the place. In fact, 
We probably need to work on it. I don't know what we're going to do with these things. Maybe we'll hang it from the ceiling. Wouldn't a green ceiling be beautiful? No, we were not going to do that. But the whole purpose, the whole idea here is those plants develop roots. It doesn't happen overnight. It is a process of being put in good soil. And I'll tell you, you can find no better soil than the love of God. Let the roots grow. One of the problems we have here in the city, one of the reasons why when we have big storms, the trees fall over is because we've got concrete and pipes and and conduit and electrical and telephone and, and all these other things and they'll dig up the ground and they'll go under that tree. Now, when they go under a tree, what do they do? They cut the roots. In fact, you'll see places where the roots lift up the slabs in the sidewalks and make them uneven. So what do they do? They grind the roots down so that the sidewalk will lay flat. And then you wonder why the tree falls over when the wind blows. You have to grow roots in the love of Christ. There are some things in your relationship with God that nothing but time will answer. That's why God wants you to be faithful. That's why he wants you to be in church. That's why... You're supposed to put up with your preacher, amen? Because it takes time for those roots to go down and to dig deep and to get embedded in that soil so that when the winds of doubt and storms of trials of this life come, you got something that's holding on to you. Rooted and grounded. Now, the idea of grounded is like a building with a foundation. My favorite example of grounding is in the electrical world. We used to work on, I used to work on Brother Clayton's vehicles and, and we were trying to get the uh, lights and the trailer brakes to work and just nothing was happening on this old trailer. I mean, the lights would work one minute, the next minute they wouldn't. I went to Brother Clayton, I said, this trailer's possessed. Uh, yeah, there's nothing working according to logic. I mean, it works one minute and it doesn't the next. And he says, did you check the ground? And I said, the ground? What's that? He says, well, everything has to be grounded. If you're going to have the electrical circuit filing between the trailer and the truck, everything has to be connected and there has to be a good ground there. You see, electricity will only flow one direction. It's actually supposed to flow toward the ground. Now, down in the basement, we got poles, six foot long, made out of copper, dug in the ground. Now, don't go down and try to take them out, all right? But they're what keeps the electrical system working. I had to go through the vehicle and find out where the main ground wire was. And sure enough... Road salt and soot and dirt and diesel grease and everything you could imagine got up there, it corroded. And the, the reason the, the lights were going on and off is because sometimes it would get through the rust to the steel that was underneath and sometimes it wouldn't. 
So I had to take that and clean it all off. Then all of a sudden, amazing, everything worked. You know what? Sometimes spiritually, you got to check your ground. It gets corroded. The, circ- the electricity might not be passing through the way it ought to. Nice and clean and solid. It says that we need to be rooted and grounded. If there's anything that you should never doubt in this world, never question, is God's love. Yet oftentimes is that not the first thing we question. I want to challenge you that you cannot understand God's love until you're rooted and grounded in it. Until it's a part of your life. Until it's what is holding you more than what you are holding on to. You see, the next verse says, may be able to comprehend. How many of you like advanced mathematics? Trigonometry and calculus and all those wonderful things. I like to talk to people who do. But I enjoy sitting down, used to anyway, and working through a difficult mathematical problem just so you could say, hey, it works. I understand this. Really helped when I was teaching trigonometry for a year to understand what I was teaching before I tried to teach it to the students. Amen? Praise God, it was only one year. Amen? But the simple truth of the matter is there's a lot of things in this world that we just don't comprehend. And because we don't comprehend them, we just don't pay attention to them. And God's love is one of the greatest things that we don't pay attention to. It's easy to understand God's love when everything's going the way we want to go. It's hard to understand God's love when it doesn't. But I want to challenge you that God's love doesn't change because God doesn't change. And we need to comprehend his love. But let me tell you something. Look at those next three words. May be able to comprehend with all saints. This is the natural result of getting saved. Is you need to begin to comprehend God's love. If you're not growing in your understanding of God's love. You're not exercising your salvation. You're not living it the way God wants you to. And we need to be challenged by that because this is something that we can understand. This is not something that is reserved only for the intellectually elite or those who will exercise themselves in incredible and unbelievable ways. This is for every believer in God to comprehend with all saints what is the breath and length, and depth, and height. How many of you like geometry? Don't you put your hand up, Stephen. 
my son. He likes geometry, but he doesn't like to do the work. Geometry is a lot of fun. In fact, there are very few things you do in life that aren't connected to geometry in one way or another. Height, depth, breadth, width. Those are, it's, it, you've got to explore the dimensions of God's love. God's love reaches from heaven all the way down to earth to touch my life into your life. But you know what? If I will let God's love do its work, it will flow through me to reach other people's lives. Does God love any person on this earth any less than he does anyone else? No. You see, you can reject God's love and earn his judgment. That can happen. It's recorded in scripture many places. But if you accept his love, it only gets better and better. The more you understand about God, the greater your comprehension of his love is. The bigger it gets. It says, and to know the love of God, which patheth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, we, we look at these words. Man from creation, from the Garden of Eden, we might say, has tried to be God. What, did Eve tempt the, what was Eve tempted with? You're going to be like God. You know both good and evil. Didn't work, now did it? Cain murdered his brother. God said, if you'll offer the sacrifice, you'll be right with me. And Cain says, well, I'll just remove the source of irritation. I'll get rid of Abel. Didn't work, now did it? Man has always went about his own way seeking to be God, to supplant God, to be as good as God, to be accepted by God. The Bible says none of those things can happen without you receiving his love first. Amen? So, we look at this and it says that we are to be filled with the fullness of God. How can I be filled with the fullness of God? Well, what is God? God is love. And when I can truly love another human being, in spite of who I am, in spite of who they are, guess what I've just done? I've demonstrated the love of God. Amen? You ought to have, <coughs> excuse me, you ought to have friends in the church. You ought to love one another in the church. But the best way to do that is to get full of God first. And then it's a lot easier to love other people. Amen? How many of you have ever had somebody just irritated the fire out of you? I mean, you just, 
you just knew that whatever they said or whatever they did was just going to get you goat, even if you don't have one. Amen? How do you solve that problem? Move. No. Some people run away. If you get enough God in you first, it'll help you understand that at one time, well, actually at all times, that's how God ought to feel about us. How much do we irritate him? How much do we break his laws? How often do we sin and do the very things that he tells us not to do, that he's promised us to give us his strength not to do those things, and we go do them anyway? God doesn't just understand and say, oh, that's okay. No, he sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay the price for every one of those sins. That's where forgiveness is. Forgiveness is based in the love of God and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ through that love. We go to the book of Romans and it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, not a dead sacrifice, but a living one, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, reasonable Why is it reasonable? Because he gave so much for us. You see, this is what God's love wants to do in our life. This is the struggle of Christianity. We sometimes think that if we could just fight against this sin, that we would stop this sin and we would finally have victory. Remember a fellow years ago came in the office and said, Pastor, I can't stop smoking. He said, I hate cigarettes. They're ruining my life. He said, they might destroy my health later in life. I just hate them. My wife hates them. And, and, and I just can't get over. I said, you know what you just did? He said, no, what did I just do? I said, you just sp- spent the last five minutes talking about cigarettes. He said, that's not going to help you get rid of the cigarettes. Because they're still the center of your attention. But I hate them. It's negative. How many of you as little children at one time or another felt neglected by your parents so you did something bad to get some attention? Hmm? Don't tell me you didn't do that. I know a little bit about children. They all do it. And you know what each one of us are here today? We're big children. We do the same things. And if we want to get victory, we got to stop paying attention to the sin and start paying attention to the love of Christ. That's where the goal is. That's where the answer is. You see, God is able to do. We, we take this verse, this verse 19, and uh, um, I'm sorry, verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, 
We like that verse. We say, I remember when God did exceeding abundantly and provided for us to buy our building. Miracle after miracle. That's not the context of that verse. God does great miracles. But the greatest miracle, the exceeding abundantly that is being spoken about here is the power that worketh in us. To take a selfish, self-centered person and allow them to love and care about another human being for, because God says so. That's exceeding abundantly. To take people from all over this earth, every walk and race and people group and put them together into one little church that can have an impact all over the world through our missions program and what we do. Let me tell you something. That is exceeding abundantly. You see, God wants to get glory through the church. Aren't you glad there are no Christian superheroes? I said, wait a minute, I saw Bible Man in the comic books the other day. Fake, just like all the rest of them. God does not call superheroes. In fact, if you want to be super anything, be super ordinary. So that you disappear and people see God. That's what this passage is talking about. That is exceeding abundantly. That is the power of God working in us. So that when the story is told, people go, wow, God is good. In his church. Through Jesus Christ. That's how it works. You look in your bulletin, there's a list of the money that we gave. You'll notice if you do the accounting, there's $40 in there that didn't come out of the regular stuff. But one of our members said, uh, Pastor, you give $40 to this, $40 more to this person. I'll, I'll give it back when I get back to... New York said, it's one of the only things I'm a little afraid of taking everybody with me to the home missions conference is we all come back broke. But I'll tell you, the need is so great. And God is so great. And he uses little people like us to do things that will give glory to his name. Amen? That is the purpose. And if we could understand God's love is not to make you feel better about life, but it's to make the world feel better about God, if we might say that, or understand a little bit more. That's what the glory of God is when people look at you and say, God is great. This was Paul's prayer 
It says, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages. World without end. Amen. I'm glad the only great stories in the church aren't in the book of Acts. Amen. It says throughout all ages that we can write some great stories with our lives right here today if we will surrender and understand the love of Christ and how it works in us. Because in the ages to come, He's going to tell our stories so that God the Father can get the glory that is deserving His name. Amen? Now we'll take just a moment here. I want to work our way backwards. You see, we understand about God getting glory. But that only happens as we know the love of Christ that's beyond understanding. How can we know that love? Well, we've got to be rooted and grounded in it. It's, we've got to take, just as a plant does, the nutrients out of the soil and produce the flowers or the fruit or whatever the plant produces. So we must take what is in the love of God and allow it to flow through us and produce what God wants to do in our lives. We've got to be connected thoroughly and carefully and cleanly so that the flow of the current can go through not be hindered. You see, that is a result of being strengthened with might in the inner man by his spirit. We've got to work on that process. And by the way, it's not something that you just get out a piece of paper and say, okay, step one, be strengthened with might. Feel strong. No, it doesn't work that way. It is a process of surrendering myself to the Holy Spirit of God. It is the process of learning to put away my understanding and accept His. It is trying. It is sitting there and actually exercising yourself to think about the height of God's love, how wide it is, its breadth. It says its length, its depth, its height, all the measurements. You want a solution for depression in your life? You want an answer for not being so angry at all the crazy stuff that's going on in our country and our world today, start thinking about examining the depth and the breadth and the height and the width of God's love. Why is God not doing things and why doesn't he just uh, uh, wipe us out when we mess up? It's because of his love, Amen. Aren't you glad God's got lots of love? 
it's the riches of his mercy and the riches of his glory. God wants you and I to add to the treasury of his glory. You've got to allow yourself to be strengthened in the inner man. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, not yours. You won't feel it. It won't just uh, do things that make you have goose pimples or jump up and down or whatever other things people say happen. It will happen when you begin to understand how, a little bit about God's love. It is his love that gives us time to repent. Amen? It is his love that allows us to make a choice either for God or against him. It is God's love that gives us time to serve him till he comes. I don't understand it, but I need to be so full of it that I can give out some to other people. That's what being filled with the fullness of God's all about. Then we can get to exceeding abundantly. Then we can have that power working in us. And when it's all said and done, you have to say, it sure wasn't him. It sure wasn't her. It had to be God. If there's any testimony, I would like our church to have it summed up in these three words. It was God. It was, it was God. One thing, it was God. But I'll tell you, if we want that to be about our church, we've got a long way to go. We've got some things that got changed. And we can't change a church. We can only allow God to change individuals in the church. The answer? Comprehend his love. That's beyond comprehension. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. Lord, we are so... Thankful that your love is beyond our understanding. It's beyond our comprehension. Lord, I pray that you would help us as individuals, as a church, to let your spirit do his work individually and corporately. That we may bring glory to you through this church. In Christ Jesus, throughout all ages. Lord, work that we may glorify you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.